10 years ago. 10 years ago. I didn't have a clue how to plan a church. Yet 10 years ago, I found myself on a Friday afternoon setting out 150 of these in a cafeteria, Lake Cormorant Middle School. Ten years ago, after setting those up and after setting up some speakers and all the sound equipment, had a time of prayer, not knowing what would happen on Sunday. Sunday, 10 years ago, I put on a pair of blue jeans very similar to these, put on these shoes, I put on a shirt and a jacket, and I stood in front of 115 people. 115 people heard a message that I entitled, Bridging the Gap Between Life and living. And it was so bad. I don't know what I did with it. It was so bad. It was so good that the next Sunday, out of the 115 that showed up the first day, we had 32. It was an awesome, awesome service. 150 chairs filling two-thirds of a cafeteria, and 32 people came back. We were planted for a development in the Lake Cormorant area that because of numerous issues never came to fruition. And after a year and a half of being in Lake Cormorant, we went to our mama churches and we stated something very similar to this. We said, uh, hey, uh, Longview Point, uh, Life Point, just to let you know, you outnumber us, you outvote us by 500 to 1. So we're going to do whatever you want us to do, whatever you tell us to do. If you want us to stay out here, we're going to stay out here. If you tell us to, you know, pack up all 150 chairs in the sound system and go do something else, that's what we're going to do because you outvote us. And they said, well, why don't you think about doing the demographics again? And so we did a demographic study afresh and anew, and we came and we asked Wade Humphreys and Longview Point, hey, do you remember that time for four months where every Sunday I stood on the platform with you and you begged people to leave Longview Point and come with us? And two people did. Four people did. And no more did. He said, yeah. I was like, what would you think if we moved back into town? We're different than you, you're different than us. And they, he said, well, let me take it to leadership, but I think that's probably a good idea. And they agreed. And so I went and shared with River Bend, the church at River Bend, one Sunday morning, about eight and a half years ago, 
There was about 38 of us that morning, and I went and shared with them something very similar to this. Hey, we're going to move into Hernando. And it was such a joyous announcement that the 38 came to about 20. They were so excited and so happy to do just that. And we started to plan. Okay, if we're going to move into town, what do we need to do? Well, we need to start canvassing neighborhoods. We spent $6,000 on a flyer. Everybody in like a 25-mile radius of Hernando, Mississippi received a flyer. And we held an informational meeting. And the 20 that decided that they were going to come into town with us that weren't upset, we planned out what that night was going to be. And it was a great night. It wasn't thundering or lightning. It was sunny. It was great. We had all our ducks in a row. And there was a huge crowd of seven people outside of our 20 who showed up. And it gets better. Y'all laugh at that. It gets better because out of the seven people who showed up for our informational meeting, one of them was the pastor of Longview Point, so I knew he wasn't coming. <laughs> and another of the couples that were there, they were already church planners over in Olive Branch, and they just wanted to see how an informational meeting went because they were about to have their own. So therefore, there was four out of the seven. And so David Fields and I huddled up behind the closed doors and we said, all right, what are we going to do? Are we going to just go forward with everything that we've got planned? Or are we going to condense it? What are we going to do? And he said, man, just go forward. I said, yep, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go forward. So I set out to lay down a vision. And one of the two couples, the guy just starts crying. I mean, he is weeping. It's like the Holy Spirit of Almighty God is on him. And I mean, just tears flowing and flowing. I was like, what in the world is happening to this guy? It is great. So we get through, and the guy comes and hugs my neck and says, I just, we just moved here from Atlanta. We need a church plant like this in Hernando. We have been looking. And within six months, they were gone from River Bend Church. There's one couple that was there that evening. It still sits over here on this side of the room. Who's been a prayer warrior. Who's seen ministry happen. We didn't come to Hernando just for that family. We came to Hernando for you and we came to Hernando for Hernando. But about eight and a half years ago, we came into town. And the first Sunday that we held services in Hernando, there were about 65 people. The second Sunday that we held services, there were 115 people. There have been some ups and there have been some downs. 
but it has been a great ride. I was thinking this week of the folks that have been on the team, so to speak, the staff of Riverbend Church. And if I've forgotten somebody, they're not here, so it's okay. And if you remember who they are, you can tell me and be mad at me. But in the kids, kids ministry, the kids ministry leaders from the beginning, there was uh, Allison Stillman. She's now married to a pastor in Arkansas. Lindsay Lance, Liz Alexander, Brian Riley, Stephen Wright, and Stephen Simon. And I don't think I missed anybody, but there were a lot of volunteers that helped in between a number of those that we couldn't have made it without you. Youth ministry, there was Levi Lance, and then there was Brian Tillman and David Fields, and then there was Landon Anderson, who is a church planner up in Noblesville, Indiana. He's actually about to be planted as um, in another suburb in the uh, Indianapolis area, but uh, he was with us for a summer. Clay Taylor, Brian Tillman again, Sean Pasley, Brian Tillman, and Austin Roberts. <laughs> I put my name in there just for laughs because it was a joke. <laughs> Music ministry leaders, Brian Tillman, no, no Brian Tillman. Um, <laughs> Every church plant is unique, okay? Every church plant is unique. I have the great opportunity and pleasure to uh, help church planters in Mississippi, and every single one is different. And I have never known of a church plant like what I'm about to tell you. But Easter Sunday morning, 2007, we started with two worship leaders. And they didn't know either one of them was going to be the worship leader. But we started with two worship leaders. One was all by himself, and one had his whole band show up. And I wish he was here, but because of this guy and his whole band, we got one David Dixon. And David Dixon has been with us for 10 years helping out however possible, and he is um, vacating this week because he knew I was going to say something about him, but uh, no, he, this was his vacation week. We had two youth ministers, uh, two worship leaders that morning. Then we had Josh Kubler stay with us for about a year, David Fields. Stephen Wright, Sean Pasley, and now we're searching. We're thankful for the number of you who serve each and every week. Thankful for Chris helping out each and every week these days. Sound and tech, pretty much been mainly two guys, Mark Clark and John Hansen. Every week. And then, me. 
But to be honest, in 10 years, there's been some 20-plus pastors who have come and sat weeks, months, in those seats where you're sitting. Years. Roughed up because of ministry. Roughed up because of life. Hurt because of ministry. Hurt because of life. Needing a place to be healed. Time to get healthy. And it has been a joy to see 23 pastors. Before we get into uh, Ephesians chapter 4, let me tell you two weird stories, probably the weirdest stories of, that I can remember of uh, the 10 years. Both of them occurred before we moved into town, so most of you, it'll be the first time you heard it other than a gumball story, you never heard it before. But we were sitting there one day, one Sunday, we had put out the 150 chairs and had them all in different sections, and I can't remember if the first song had started or not, but if it hadn't, we were just about to start. And it was in our right after we turned one years old, and David Fields was leading and had um, Andrew Ginn playing the drums, and this gentleman came, and we'd never seen him before, he came and walked all the way up to the front row, sat down, on his back, he had a djembe drum, and he sat down and sat it in between his legs and just started playing in beat. And I was sitting right across the aisle from him, and I was like, what, what in the world is happening? I do not know what's happening, but he's in beat, and it sounds good, and I'm like, yeah, let's just go with it. And so first song played. It's all good. Second song played. It's even better. Third song, all right, it's time for me to stand up and preach. Guy scoots the djembe out just a little bit, kicks back, both legs on top of it, and just rocks it, and is almost asleep all the way through the sermon. And I was like, well, at least we helped somebody out that day. And one day we were uh, canvassing, I believe it was in Guy Keener's neighborhood, it might have been the neighborhood over from Guy Keener's, and Todd and Jennifer McGinnis's behind their house, and we, we were getting it. And I was on one side of the street, and I was passing out flyers, talking to folks, and moving on down the road, and there were a couple of guys going down the other side of the street, and I wanted to get through. And I heard my name, hey, preacher, come back over here. This guy needs to talk to you. Brad Fowler was talking with him. I mean, the guy is called to ministry. Why does he need me to come talk to him? But I turn around, and I go back to this guy's house, and it looks like the lead singer of Leonard Skinner is standing in front of me, and he is about to sing Freebirds, and... It's Saturday morning early, and I bet that dude had two or three-fifths of purple passion because it was oozing out of him. Every statement he made, it was strong. And he said this. He said, hey, you're a preacher? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, good, because I need somebody to marry my daughter. 
And I was like, I'm already married. And he said, no, I need somebody to do the service, but it's not going to be a normal one. And I said, I bet. And he said, no, you don't get it. It's going to happen Monday at the tattoo parlor in Horn Lake. But you need to beware because there's going to be some women in there and they might not have much or any clothes on. And I was like, when? He said, Monday. I said, well, um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it on Monday. We went back into that neighborhood, knocked on that guy's house again. I was wanting, I was wanting another cool story, but uh, he wasn't there that day. It has been 10 years. And I told you at the beginning, 10 years ago, I didn't have a clue what it would take to plant a church. But today I want to share with you a couple of things that I know, I know it will take to be an extraordinary church. Something that I desire for us to be. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, this week we are going to look at the first half of this chapter. Next week we are going to look at the title of an extraordinary life and we are going to look at the second half of this chapter. But today, I'm going to walk us through the first 16 verses and we're going to look at an extraordinary church. An extraordinary church. So let's pray and then we will uh, continue this morning. Heavenly Father, we desire to be an extraordinary church. We desire to be used by you in extraordinary ways. We desire just as you desire, Father, to use us, to grow in us, through us, to bring about change. Father, we need to change. There, there are things that every single person in this room needs to change. And you are calling me, you are calling us to do just that today. So that you might use us. God, thank you how you have used us. Thank you for lives that have changed. Thank you for the 80 plus baptisms. Father, may we continue to disciple. May we continue to see growth occur. Father, thank you for the times that we've gone abroad on missions. Thank you for the times that we've gone locally on missions. God, use us for your namesake. Father, now I pray for every man and woman, every student, child in this room this day. God, I pray that you would show us these two aspects of an extraordinary church. Father, what we need to be focused on. Father, what we need to know when it's right to be unified and when it's okay to be to have diversity, when there's 
ministry to be focused on and maturity to be seen. Because you died for the church, Lord. We are yours. Bought by your blood. Bought by your sacrifice. We are yours. So encourage us, challenge us, convict us. Grow us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Two points this morning. The first is this. The extraordinary church is one that knows where to be unified, where to be united, and where to allow for diversity. Where to be united and where to allow diversity. Let me read for us the first 11 verses of the fourth chapter. See if you can pick out unity and diversity states this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking to the folks at Ephesus, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, One spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and was, uh, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions called the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. That is God's Word. The extraordinary church is one that knows where to be united and where to allow for diversity. United. Where? United in what? United in beliefs and also in behavior. You and I are called as a church. If we're going to be an extraordinary church, we are called to be united in our behavior, in our beliefs. What behavior, what beliefs? Look back with me in verses 1 through 3. He says this in verse number 2, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Where is there unity in that behavior? There is unity in the behavior when you and I have humility. When you and I have gentleness. When you and I have patience when we bear one another in love there is unity a church that has these behaviors is an extraordinary church these behaviors are not normal they're not normal at 34 Tanner Cove especially if we're not on the same page it's not normal at all 
for humility, for gentleness, for patience, even for love to be shown in a family, let alone in a church, but a church that shows these, that lives these things out every single day consistently is an extraordinary church. When these behaviors are lived out in the body of believers on a consistent, ongoing time in and time out, the church is extraordinary. What beliefs? Look there in verse number 4. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, verse 5. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all, and many raindrops. One. One. There's unity. There's unity in all of these beliefs, and because there is unity in these beliefs, this church is oozing out extraordinary things. One. United beliefs, beliefs on the main things, one Lord, one hope, eternity with Him, one baptism into the family of God, one Spirit, God's gift, His indwelling of every single believer. church that believes this is an extraordinary church. But where is their diversity? There's diversity down in verse Number 10 and verse number 11. Especially verse 11 after the, par- the, the parentheses there. He says this, And He gave apostles and prophets and evangelists. He gave shepherds and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, the work of the ministry, for building up one another. Where's their diversity? There's diversity in gifts. Every single one of you who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, has a gift. You've got a gift. You've got a spiritual gift that was given to you when you got saved. But it's not for you. The reason that we can stand here and we can be in this place today because ten years ago there was a number of men and women who had their gifts and they used their gifts. There's a reason that we're here today is because you have gifts and you are using those gifts for the body. God has given every person here a gift. He's given that gift so that His name and His kingdom might see growth. Growth in number, growth in maturity, growth in width, depth, majesty, splendor, might. He has given every single one of us spiritual gifts to be used for Him. Let me ask you a question. Or a couple of questions. How's your behavior been this week? We talked about behavior, humility, patience, gentleness, love. Sounds a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. How's your behavior been this week? How about your beliefs? You stood strong on your beliefs this week? 
How are you doing with the gift or the gifts that God has given you? Sir, do you want to see growth? Do you want to be the man, the husband, the dad that God created you to be? Boils down to beliefs and behavior. Put your faith in Him. Place your feet in the right direction and go toward Him. Obey what He says and I promise your feelings will get there. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. My treasure is with the things of this world, then that's where my heart's going to be. If my treasure is the things of the world that is to come and the Savior who bought me, then my heart will be there. Ma'am, how are your gifts being used? Ladies, are you gifted musically? Are you using it? Are you gifted in teaching? Are you using that gift? Are you gifted in hospitality? Whatever the gift, are you using your gift for His glory? Because that's why He gave it to you. That's why He gave it to every man. That's why He gave it to every lady. That's why He gave it to every child of His. He gives us gifts. Then we see second... We see the extraordinary church is one focused on ministry and maturity. Let me read for us verse 12 down through verse 16. Paul wrote these words. He says, I'm going to start back in verse 11. He says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The extraordinary church, the church that I desire River Bend to be, the church that I desire to lead River Bend to be, the extraordinary church. Y'all get it? The extraordinary church is a church focused on ministry and maturity. Ministry. There in verse number 12, it states that the, these 
different gifts, apostles, teachers, pastors, shepherds, evangelists. They were given to equip the body. Ministry happens because of the body being equipped. Edified, they were instructed. They were given instruction. The body was given instruction. River Bend has been given instruction. They have been educated. They've been enlarged. They've been established. Verse 13 speaks of it being enlarged. Verse 14 speaks that the body is established. And there is maturity. Maturity in speech, verse 15. Maturity in service, in verse 16. And maturity in sensitivity, there in verse 16 as well. To be an extraordinary church, the focus must be on ministry and the focus must be on maturity. We are an extraordinary. We are extraordinary when the leaders equip you for ministry. I seek to do it every single time that I stand here and open God's word. So that the week that you're going to have this week, I don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be. You've got some stuff on your calendar. I got some stuff on my calendar, but we don't know what the week's going to hold. But I stand up here, and those that I get to stand up here and proclaim the Word of God to you is done in such a way so that when your week happens, and you know the weeks that I'm talking about, you and I will have things to stand on. Because they're coming. Those weeks, the weeks that you and I loathe, the hard ones, the terrible ones, In the midst of those weeks, we need the sound word of Almighty God to equip us, to edify, instruct us, to educate us so that we might not be moved. Oh, that you and I would be that on a consistent basis. Oh, to see what God would do in and through a church like that, in and through individuals like that. I pray that for River Bend often, and I ask that you would pray that with me for us, for River Bend, for His glory. Amen? Then we see maturity. Maturity. Everybody here knows what it is. Let me scan the room and just pick up. No. Everybody knows what it is. But not everybody wants to be mature. Some of us like to try to be comedians and make a joke out of something every time it happens. We don't know when to quit. Some of us need to grow up. We, are, we need to be mature physically. But more than that, we need to be mature emotionally, we need to be mature mentally, we need to be mature, most of all, spiritually. Our faith needs to be going from being an infant to being an elder. From being a toddler to being a tower. We need to be growing in maturity And that is seen in how you and I speak every single day. How we speak to one another. What Paul states here in this passage. 
how we speak to those inside the church, and how we speak to those outside the church. Yesterday, I don't know why I like to tell you my mess-ups, but yesterday I was driving down Interstate 55, and there was this lady from Arkansas who was in the fast lane, yet she was not going fast. She was not even going the speed limit. She was not even going 10 miles toward the speed limit. And I wanted to get to where I wanted to go, and I just stood behind her. I was just right behind her, and I was right behind her, and I said, you know what? There's an opening. Let me go into the slow lane, speed up, and get in front of the lady who is going slow in the fast lane, and maybe she'll get the clue that she needs to move over to the slow lane. And as I went by her, I had this face. No, I did not. And I got past her. And it is as if there was somebody sitting in an empty truck right next to me and said, why did you do that? What, what did that prove, that you could go a little faster in a truck? Did that show me? And the whole way to where I went and the whole way back from where I went, it's like, I blew it. Just like that. A man who is mature, a woman who is mature consistently is, are those who will be extraordinary. The church will be extraordinary if we go from being infants to elders, from toddlers to those who are towers in the faith. How do you speak to one another? Do you speak to one another the truth in love? Or do we just like to stay on the surface? Do we just like to, eh, let's just ease past this issue or that issue. I was reminded the other night how easily pride jumps up in us. I was reminded the other morning how easily pride jumps up in me. And how we need brothers and sisters. That's what the church is all about. That's what Connect is to be about. We need brothers and sisters to come alongside and say, Hey, Brian, you're a knucklehead. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You said you were going to do this. You're not doing it. Brian, here's where some issues are happening in your life. Hello? I'm doing this because I love you. Yeah, you're doing this because you see something you don't need to be seeing. Well, it's because I love you. Maturity happens in our speech. Maturity happens as we're talking to one another, building one another up, speaking the truth in love. Reminded of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Starting in verse 9, Paul stated this, Now concerning brotherly love, you have, you've got no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves, you've been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing. You're doing this to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But Paul doesn't stop right there and said, hey, you're doing a great job, so let's just leave it right there. No, he goes on finally in that verse, and he says, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. 
and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. You're doing a great job, but do it even better. Everybody in Macedonia and the whole area knows that you love each other, but love others more. Encouraging, instructing, all for the purpose to bring about maturity. Finally, we see maturity. If you're going to be an extraordinary church, if River Bend's going to be an extraordinary church, we must do it in sensitivity. Look in your copy of God's Word in verse 16. Let me read it for us as I close. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you and I are going to be an extraordinary church, we're going to be mature in those things that are sensitive, sensitive to those around you in the body, those in your connect group, those who you know are struggling in their jobs, those that you know are struggling in their homes, struggling in life in general, those who are in the desert spiritually, who are hurting and need some encouragement, who are disobeying and need instruction. If we're going to be an extraordinary church, we must be sensitive spiritually to those in the community who need to hear about our Savior. An extraordinary church is a church that you want to be a part of. You want to be a part of an extraordinary church. It's not that you want to come to a church and say, ah, I'll just take an average church. I'll just, yeah, it's okay. That's not what you want to be a part of. An average church, a blah church, that's not the church that Jesus died for. He didn't leave heaven's throne above, be born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, go through all the pain and torture, the torment, death to be the savior of a blah church. He came and died to be the savior of an extraordinary church. The question isn't, is that what type of church you want to be a part of? The question is, will you pay the price? Will I pay the price to be that church? We've got to be united in some things, River Bend. We've got to be united in some things that we believe and how we live. We've got to be diverse in some things because you have gifts that I don't have and I have gifts that you don't have. We've got to be mature in some things. we've got to see ministry happen all for His name and all for His glory. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is Your church. It's not a, a group of 
20 people who came into town about eight and a half years ago. It's not our church, it's your church. It's not Life Points Church because they're one of our parents. It's not Longview Points Church because they're one of our parents who sent us out. Lord, we're your church. We're your body. Father, we ask that as not just that we meet here today or that we meet here on a weekly basis, but Father, that as we come together two or three in Your name, You are with us. That You have given us Your Spirit to indwell us. God, we're the church. We're Your church. May the things that I say this week be pleasing to You. May the things that I look at this week be pleasing to you. May the facial expressions that are on my face be pleasing to you. The places that I go this week. Father, might I equip this body to be doing the ministry that you have for us. Maybe you today would say, you know what, I'm a a believer I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. He took my place, paid for my sin. But I know my beliefs aren't where they need to be. I know my behavior is not where it needs to be. I need to come back to Him. We've got a time of response for you to come. For you to get right with Him, right where you are in your seat. You need to talk with me, pray with me. I'll be more than happy to pray with you, talk with you. Then there's others in this place, the whole of us as River Bend. May we use this time as we sing. May we use this time as a response to say, Lord, I want to be that type of church, the church that you died for, the church that you want us to be. I'm willing to pay that price. I'm willing to use my gifts, whatever they are you. So let's stand and let's sing a time of response, a time of invitation for you to come.